0: need your smile that's enough of you guys smiling at the door at my daughter there <laughs> cut that out No, nah, I'm only joking I'm only joking I'm no. joking I um, just wanted to release all the young people this morning—12 and 13-year-olds—to the YP group discipleship class, so all you can head off now, all 12 and 13-year-olds. Uh, this morning, churchwide, we just gathered. This morning, there was a prayer request that's come in, and um, some of us would know Trudy, who comes to our church. Trudy has a prosthetic leg, and um, a, a, apparently this week she's fallen and broken um, something in a hip that was um, that connected there, and it's not good. And uh, we just, she asked us if we would pray, hey? Or someone has asked us to pray. So if you know Trudy, she usually sits over here with Phelan and you lovely ladies. Um, So we're going to pray. That'd be great. Father, today, we just come and present Trudy to you. We thank you for her faith. Her her, um, journey of faith has been incredible. I thank you for her. And I ask today, together we join together and ask for your healing touch upon her body. We pray that even though there's a break there, that you would just restore, even do a creative miracle, Lord, and just bring those bones back together and, and repair it well, so that it actually be better than it was before. So, Father, we ask of you this: we don't turn to our ability or even our prayer style this morning. It's literally you who do it. It's just our heart that you want. So we just commit it to you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said, "Amen." Amen. Brilliant. I want to read Acts chapter nine to you this morning. It's a New Testament book. It's a Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts is the fifth book of the what they call the New Testament. Um, I, I will have it on the screen, but I wanted you to read it from your own Bible because you're more familiar with that. But if you didn't bring one, it's there. It's Acts chapter nine, verse thirty-six to forty-two. It's talking about Peter. Um, Peter was one of the uh, an apostle of Jesus. Uh, He was the disciple and then he became an apostle in the sense that he went out and planted churches. And he's gone to a place called Joppa on the Mediterranean Sea. It's a a port. It's much like Gladstone, Joppa. The modern day Joppa is called Jaffa um, because they've changed the name since those days. Um, It's got about 300,000 people. In those days, it had about 60,000, but it's a bustling seaport beautiful place it's actually where it's about 65 kilometers Jerusalem is inland 65 kilometers and and so if you can just picture it there on the Mediterranean Sea I haven't been there anybody been there wow you've been there Greg you've been there amazing I'd love to go there anyway Peter is in a little town about 15 kilometers from Joppa it's called Lida or L-Y-double-D-A um And Peter's there, and uh, something unfolds in Joppa that that needs his attention. And so, this is what the story's about. We're in the scene this morning. Acts chapter 9, 36. It says, At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. The Bible moves very quickly, doesn't it? So far sometimes. Through the events and verse thirty-eight, and since Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Verse thirty-nine, and then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, "Tabitha, arise." And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows back in, it doesn't say back in, but I added that, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa that many and many believed on the Lord. What a great miracle. Not only the, the resurrection of a lady, but I'm talking about the miracle of many came to the Lord. That truly has to be the greatest miracle. But we, uh, that's not what I'm preaching about. Just people responding to the Lord. So when we read this passage, of all the stories that happened in the New Testament, of all the stories, there's, there's a number of them, but this is at the top. that, When I read it, I go, why God? You ever, asked, you ever read something and go, why is that? And, and this is one of those stories because the reason I ask it is because it seems unjust and undeserved that such a beautiful Christian lady um, like Dorcas would pass away in the prime of her life when she is she's giving out of herself she supports she lives in this this bustling port city and, and, and people are coming and going and she is a lady that is renowned for her generosity and her making of garments and her, she's a christian she's in the church and she's um she's such a lady of generosity is that good? okay, come and take this off me, Joel. Yeah, got it. Thank you. There we go. Thank you very much. so what we're up to so she's just a generous and beautiful lady. in actual fact, her name um in the in the um Hebrew and I must get it right. I mustn't get it around the wrong way. But of course, she had two names. Um, one was Dorcas. One was Tabitha, and the Tabitha name was the Hebrew Jewish name, and Dorcas was the Greek Gentile name. And 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 that's the case for a lot of um, people in those days because they were living in a multicultural system. They were living. She was living in a city that was Joppa that was had Gentiles or had Greeks. It had all different races, and it also had Jews. And so, the, the Jews knew her by that. Um, You know, by her Hebrew name um, Tabitha, and yet others knew her by Dorcas, the Greek name. And so it's interesting because both names for this precious lady meant uh, meant gazelle. Did you know that? I didn't. I just found out this week it meant gazelle. And and if you were to and that was a name in Scripture that was always given to her. It was if it was if at her birth. Her mum and dad named that prophetically, knowing that this is the lady she was going to become, because she became exactly what the name described. Because gazelle means soft-natured and graceful and gracious and beautiful. And and apparently gazelle has got these most gorgeous, big uh, eyes, you know, if you ever see this type of gazelles in Israel. And that's exactly, it it wasn't that um, uh, Dorcas's eyes were necessarily beautiful, but her nature was an incredible lady because she willingly gave of herself and gave of her time to help the marginalised, the needy, the people who came in and out of the port. She was the lady in the community; everybody knew about her, and she was the Christian lady that continued to be supportive and uh, just uh, love people in that community. So, what a beautiful uh, story! And yet, in the midst of this story, we see this beautiful lady dies. It's a you know, there's a question. Why? Why, God, does somebody so good have to pass away? And, I mean, you know, we see at her, 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 her at her um, uh, death, she's in this upper room. Um, the Christians have taken the time to wash her body, prepare it. And when Peter comes, there's a whole bunch of, uh, ladies up there and they're grieving her and showing Peter what this lady Dorcas had made for them and her generosity and so the many people were involved in this many people were touched by this death many in the community were were grieving for her because they and they would have had that question God why why was this lady um she was an incredible lady I I um I, I had a similar similar story, not in my per, life personally, but many many years ago, actually, about fifteen to twenty years ago. I've forgotten exactly the year. I uh, there was a, a man who lived in this city. His name was uh, Albert, um, and um, it always amused me his name because uh, he was Asian. Albert Ong. Anybody remember Albert Ong? Yeah, Andrew and Sue and Greg and those and Marcel, beautiful beautiful Christian man, and Albert. Um, uh, he, was a radio- he was a radiologist in Gladstone, took X-rays, and um, somewhere in his late 30s, I went. I, I was looking for a guitar to buy because I learned to play the guitar, and Albert said to me, I- "I've got a guitar for you. Come over, and you can you can have one of mine." And so I went over there, and I went into a room in his house. I remember the house. I remember the place. And as I went in there, this room is just lined with guitars. All- he was an incredibly talented guitarist, and he. And he said, this is the guitar, this Yamaha acoustic electric that I, I want you to have. And he sold it to me for an incredible, half the price it was worth. Just the generosity of the man. I've still got that guitar in my office. I'll always keep it because it wasn't too many years later that Albert passed away, unfortunately. I believe he drowned. Is that correct, Marcel? Was it the Gold Coast or somewhere like that? I went to his funeral here in Gladstone. I couldn't believe it. This precious man, Albert, such a Christian man who loved God, talented, um, people appreciate him, respect him in our city, and yet he goes down to the Gold Coast, gets caught in a rip on a holiday, and he drowns, and he never comes home alive, and they brought his body back, and we had the funeral in, in uh, not in this church, but another church in Gladstone, and I thought, God, why was that the case? It's a bit like, I suppose, As I consider this story this morning, Dorcas, and you know, the reality is, is that maybe you have your stories this morning. You wonder, why did that happen? A good person, or maybe it's not a person, but a good thing is happening, and yet it seems to die. Maybe this morning, you're going through something today where you think there's such a good situation. It's such a good thing that should happen, and yet it seems like it's almost died Something that I needed, you know, it just needed to happen. It's not a bad thing, it's a good thing, and yet it's not happening. And, and the question in your heart could be this morning, why, God? Why is that situation there? Because um, we could all have a, a, our own story, can't we? We can all have this, but I, I'm, you know, and the truth is, is that maybe this morning your question could be, why the sickness, God? It's been so long now that I've faced this thing. Why? Or maybe this morning it's that, you know, it's the financial need that you've had for a while. And You say, God, I just need some breakthrough. Or maybe it's a, it's a relationship that you dearly want to see restored, but it's strained still. And you just want to see the breakthrough. Maybe it's all of these things, something, it, it, it looks like it's died. And you're not quite sure if it's ever going to come back to life. But you're hoping somehow, some way it will something in your life. Maybe it's that job situation you just want to see changed around. As I said, that relationship um, restored. Or, or maybe it's that child that you just want to see come back to the, back and know the Lord. Or maybe it's a, a loved one that you dearly pray for all the time. And you say, God, I just want to see them come to know you. Maybe it's a brother or sister or parent or whatever it may be. I know I have some relatives. I have some sisters. I just I pray for most weeks of my life. And it's been years and decades but I'm still, believe, for the breakthrough. And it almost seems sometimes when I go and see them and talk to them that it's almost like they just see so far away, it seems like it's dead. But I want to tell you that we serve a God that's in the business of taking the impossible stuff and bringing it to life. You know, we serve, because the interesting thing about Dorcas, though she was dead, she wasn't buried. Though she was dead, she was still in the upper room. <laughs> and you know what? I think verse 38 is an incredible verse. It's, it, it, you might think it doesn't really seem like it's an incredible verse, but it really is an incredible verse because the disciples in Joppa that day, had, they knew she was dead, but they weren't going to bury her because Peter was just down the road. And so they called Peter and Peter come along, you know, uh, and uh, we see what unfolded uh, now is they, they could, didn't have any good news for Peter. All they could present to him was a body. I mean, the joy had been sapped out of that, that their lives because it was this precious lady they loved, and she loved them, and now she's gone. Death had extended its hand and taken her too early. But the truth is, she was dead, and she wasn't buried and I want to, and she was still in that upper room. And I want to say this morning, I would like you to think again about maybe some of the circumstances you face or some of those situations you just want to, they're good things that I want to say, I want to proclaim, and I want to prophesy that they may be dead, but they're not buried, church. There's a rising again that can happen, and it can't happen because of me or you. There's got to be someone else involved. And I want to tell you, it's the God of the impossible that can do it. It's the God of the impossible. They can do it. And the death. That particular day hadn't planned on the disciples of Jesus and Joppa doing something about it because they called out to Peter. Peter responded so quickly. It might have taken, it was about 15 kilometers trip, so it might have taken a day or two, but he got there. Uh, They didn't bury her. They resisted that temptation because maybe, just maybe, there's a miracle in here somewhere. Maybe there's a rising again situation that could happen. And so Peter, he was no miracle healer. But I want to say to you this morning, he knew the God who heals. And he knew the God who raises people from the dead. He was no miracle healer. None of us are miracle healers, but I tell you, we can know the God who heals. There's a big difference, isn't there? So Peter arrives, and wouldn't you know it, Dorcas rises from the dead. The gazelle runs again and leaps; She comes out of that uh, grave, so to speak, Is it possible this morning that we can believe in a God who can take the impossible situations that happen to us and be turned around for good? Is it possible that what seems dead be changed so it's a blessing instead of a heartache? Is it possible that which you'd hoped for and had seemingly died possibly be brought back to life? Is it possible? I want to tell you that we serve a possible God. He does takes the impossible and makes them possible. And we see Peter's response Peter's response here was a catalyst uh, for a wonderful miracle. Not just the miracle of Dorcas, let's always keep it in perspective. Not just the miracle of Dorcas rising from the dead. That was incredible. But you know, when you think about it, if Dorcas was given the opportunity, maybe she would have preferred to stay in heaven. <laughs> but obviously, she didn't have that. She, I don't know if God gave her a choice. Certainly Peter didn't give her a choice, he wanted her to rise again. And you know, the miracle of her rising was brilliant, but she was in a better place. But she came back, and maybe her generous heart said, oh, okay, yeah, I'll come for another 30 years, and then I'll be back there, it'll be right. You know, but the truth is, the other miracle was many people came to the Lord because of this lady rising from the dead. Her unselfishness not only extended in her natural life, but even in her death and rising, she said, oh, well, heaven, I'll leave it for a while, I won't be selfish, and I'll come back. And it touched in his lives. What a great miracle. Peter's response and the way he handled himself and the way he he, he allowed God to do what he did was an incredible ca- catalyst. Is there something you and I can do today? I would like to say, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Because for that in your life that you want to see rise, we can we can see we we can do the possible, but we need to believe the God of the impossible. So what did Peter do? Let me just go through a couple things here I think incredibly powerful for us this morning because the first thing is we see Peter is he comes into the room remember he's come he's he's just had he's jogged over from a little town of Lydia or Lydda and he's got over there finally and they uh, they just brought him straight into the upper room and as they bring him in there there's a whole bunch of ladies, precious ladies, who love Dorcas. They've cared. This Dorcas has cared for them, and probably many of them are Christians because of Dorcas' charity and love and care. And, um, and as, uh, as they're there, they're all wailing, which is understandable. They're grieving. They're showing their emotion. There's nothing wrong with grief. But as Peter comes into the room, there's something he realizes that this lady is going to rise from the dead. There's something he's got to do. And you know what he done? He disqualified the sound of death. And he asked the precious ladies to leave the room. Now, he didn't disqualify the widows, he just disqualified the sound they were making. He didn't disqualify the people because later on, when she was alive, they were the first to get into the room again and say, Hey, she's alive. No more wailing, no more sound of death, no more voice of negativity. Come on, she's alive. And I want to say if we're going to see something that our lives rise from the dead, you're going to have to disqualify the negativity and the faithlessness and the hopelessness and the anxiety and the worry and the things that want to consume us in our mind. You've got to disqualify the voices. You've got to ask them to leave the room, please. You're not welcome in my heart. You're not welcome in my head. You've got to disqualify them. If you're ever going to see that rise from the dead, you've got to say no more. (laughs) I don't need to listen to that. I don't need to listen anymore, because what are you listening to? Sometimes you know you can say, "Well, this will be the death of me." No, it won't. If you were, uh, tap into the God of the Impossible, it's not. It's the life of you. It, you. see, your tombstone is just a stepping stone when it's given to a God of the Impossible. We can be listened to the doctor's reports. The well-meaning friend that's just that you're sick of hearing the negative comments. You still love them, but they're just, you know. Or the voice of worry or the voice of anxiety or the voice of fear. Um, do you know, um, David said something. King David wrote in Proverbs 4, verse 20, a, a well-known verse. It's actually, I think people have turned it into songs, several songs that says this. Div, um, um, oh, actually, not this one, this one here, 420. Not not Psalms. It's not David at all. My apologies. It's from Proverbs chapter four twenty. Not Psalms four twenty. Proverbs four twenty. The voice of wisdom or the spirit of wisdom, which is the Holy Spirit, says, "Dear friend, listen well to my words. Tune your ear to my voice." In other words, uh, the Holy Spirit through you know because they use this. Um, feminine touch and they say wisdom is a lady there in proverbs and they say you know listen to and so what it is is really it's not just a spirit of a lady it's a spirit of a wisdom it's the holy spirit and he says would you tune your ear be careful what you tune your ear to listen to my voice the voice of truth the voice of faith Um, you know this we've got to be aware of that because there are voices that always want to whisper in your ear they always want to come along and say this will be the death of you this will never come to pass or this will this, you'll fail in this you know or this will this is not just dead it's going to be buried one day and you'll never have opportunity i want to tell you don't listen to the void be careful because it'll take it'll zap faith from you i am um, many times i've picked up the phone not so much now because i've stopped using a phone at home i just use my mobile but I used to pick up the phone at home, and it'd be these precious, wonderful people. With all sincerity, I say that um, telemarketers, and they want to sell me something, and you know, and 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 sometimes they're in other countries and all that type of stuff. And and I listen to them, and, and I say no. And then I would, it always amazed me how they had an answer for everything I said to them. They always. Re- you know, I'd say, look, no, I really haven't got the money for that. Oh, that's okay. We can do a plan. We can do a, a, a you know, a, a structured payback plan. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't even want what you got. Hey, you will need this one day. And this voice would continue. There was one day I'd finally, many years later, I was quite gracious for a long time. And then one day a telemarketer came on and I just said, my dear brother, I have had enough. And I hung up on him. And I want to tell you, some of you got to start hanging up on the devil's voice because they're just going to consume your time. I've got better things to do than to buy steak knives off a telemarketer. I've got better things to do with my life than to to buy, you know, the latest and greatest. Now, I understand not all, you know, my heart. Look, they're good people are trying to make a living as well. So I understand that. i have got nothing against them personally. It's just I don't need what they've got. If I did, I would have rang them beforehand. It's the same with my precious brothers and sisters in the mall who stand in the middle there of them all, and you walk past, and they want to sell you something, they have this big smile, and I smile back at them, and they say, do you, I want to talk to you, I say, I don't want to talk to you, <laughs> <sighs> with all love in my heart, but you know, the devil wants to take more time than you, you, you should give him, and these voices, and the negativity, Peter said, you know what, ladies, I, I, I love all you ladies and I'm going to bring you back soon. But just at the moment, I disqualify your negative sound. Hop out of the room. Here's the second thing Peter done. He not only disqualified the voice of death, but he disqualified the reality of death. He turned away from the body to pray. Have you noticed in this scripture, he's, like this lady out there, I don't need to... I don't need to see the body. I, did, did you notice, can you see in verse 40, if we went back there, David. Uh, verse 40, it, it says he knelt down and prayed. And after he had prayed, what does it say? It, uh, where is it? Verse 40. He knelt down and prayed. And then after he prayed, he turned to the body. In other words, he prayed. The body's over there. He cried out to God, and then he turned to the body to deal with it. I mean, he didn't kneel at the bottom of Dorcas' bed, looking at the body, praying. He didn't kneel at the side of the bed, you know, praying. He, what he'd done was he turned himself away from the reality of death so he could open a new door of reality, which was life. And you've got to turn your eyes away sometimes, church, from that which is the... Re- now, there's nothing. The reality is important. Okay, let's understand that. Um, see... You turn away from the body to disqualify. The prayer of faith does not ignore the dead body. The prayer of faith doesn't ignore the, the thing that's happened. The prayer of faith doesn't ignore the sickness. The prayer of faith doesn't ignore the strained relationship or the lack of finance. The prayer of faith doesn't do that. The prayer of faith just focuses, refocuses on the answer. And the answer is the God of the breakthrough. And you've got to make God bigger than the problem. Because you'll never have a breakthrough with the problem unless you make God bigger than it. And we see in Scripture, David, this is the one, Psalm 103 verse 1, David... King David said this He says, You know what? Soul, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You know what David's saying? All my emotions, all the concerns, all the anxieties, all the worries, all the fears, because the soul is the emotional and the thought process. That's the that's that part of your life where you have your emotions and thoughts and attitudes and person that comes out of your soul. And David's saying, That part of me, I just want you, soul, I want you to start to acknowledge God because I want you to see God is bigger than any concern or fear. That I have, God, come on, soul, you glorify the Lord. You become bigger. Remember, I've said it many times. I oh, magnify the Lord with me. You can't, you know, you've got to magnify Him, folks, and you've got to make Him bigger than the problem. There are times when reality and faith have got to part ways, church. It's not that you you ignore. It's not that you don't know about the reality of what's happening. Here's the facts. That's the facts. That's what the doctors said. You know, that's the reality. That's what the economic, the economy is saying to me at the moment. That's what the, the child who wants to stay away from God, they're not back with God. That's the facts. The, the, you know, the strained relationship, whatever it has to be restored, the habit that's slowly destroying you, that's the facts. But you know, I'm not going to look at the facts. Uh, they've got to, they've got to, um, I'm going to have to part ways because if I want faith, when you don't, you can't, you can't have both talking to you at the same time. You've got to, you're not ignoring them, you've just got to turn away from them if you're going to have the prayer of faith. You've got to keep your eyes in the right spot. Um, I'm not saying ignore it, I'm just saying disqualify it. Disqualify it. For faith to rise in your heart, you have to disqualify it. Faith for, faith, uh, faith for the turnaround, faith for the change of heart, faith for the provision, faith for the restoration, we disqualify the unwanted reality when we don't give it attention. We don't give it time. We don't look at it all the time. I know there's a body there that's difficult to disqualify. You can't, well, there's a body. But, you know, Peter said, I, um, Peter turned away as he prayed. Um, there was a young lady called Mary. She's probably 17 years of age and she's by herself in this room one day and this angel Gabriel comes into the room and the angel Gabriel says to Mary, he says, you know, Mary, you're favoured amongst women. You're going to give birth to a son. You're going to conceive and you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. Um, And Mary says, good question. How is this possible? I mean, I'd ask that question, wouldn't you? How is this? Because she says, you know, I don't know a man. I'm not planning on getting married. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the last time I read in the, in, you know, on the, um, you know um, Dr. Jobs, Dobson, James Dobson's book about marriage is you've got to have a man and a woman to have children. He says, and the Holy Spirit says, we're going we're gonna to bypass the reality and the facts. And we're going to go straight to the conception. And the Holy Spirit's going to do something. And you conceive and you're going to give birth to a son, Jesus. You know, talk about the reality. Mary had to, well, this is the, you know... As far as I'm concerned, it's the bird and bee story, Gabriel. And Gabriel says, no, we bypassed that one. We're going to go straight to the crux of the matter. You're going to conceive of the Holy Spirit. That's the impossible God we serve. She had to bypass reality to see faith. Well, and then she says, well, do it. Let it be unto me as you want it to happen. I'm your handmaiden. What a lady of faith. No wonder they chose her for to be the mother of Jesus. Well, you know, I don't understand it, but I'm just going to trust you. You're sitting there today and you're saying, I don't understand it, but I'm going to have to trust you. I don't know why this thing seems like it's dead, but i just got to trust you. I got, I'm not going to look at the, re, I'm not going to look at, you know, what I can't, I can see some stuff and I don't like looking at it, but I just want to put my eyes on something that's bigger than that's you. So not only did Peter disqualify the voice of death and he disqualified the reality of death, but Peter qualified something. And what Peter qualified was he qualified the God of breakthrough. Because it says at verse 40, 40, he knelt down. He humbled himself, he surrendered himself to God, he prayed, he pre- presented the need, he asked God for a miracle, he asked God to do what he couldn't, he qualified God to work. Please listen to me, God didn't, didn't need Peter's permission to heal or raise someone from the... God doesn't need your permission to heal or raise someone from the dead. But, what, but if Peter was to see a healing or a rising from the dead, God needed his heart dependent on him. And that's what the prayer of faith does more than anything. I know we make a request... But it's often a prayer of requ- that's humbling ourselves and saying, God, it's all up to you. I have to trust you. Can you hear me? Can you hear that this morning? So it's not like we, our prayers give God permission to work. No, 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 no. Our, God, our prayers allow God wants a heart that's dependent and surrendered to him for him to work. He makes that. He chooses to use us. He chooses to flow through us. He chooses. Wow, how incredible is that? And so Peter kneels down to pray. He gives himself to God. He says, "God, if this is if it's if it's up to me, it's not going to happen. But if it's up to you, I know it can happen. I know it can happen. I know that you can do what I could never do, God. And I surrender it, Lord. I, I've I've got rid of the negative voice." I've disqualified the negativity. I've disqualified the reality because I'm looking to you right now, not at the body. But now I qualify you, God, because I want my heart to be um, surrendered to you. And you know ultimately it's your glory, God. In my ego, I want it just to be gone. I don't want anything about me in this. It's all about you. And so often I think, church, our prayers sometimes need to be from the greatest breakthroughs is when we kill our ego, kill our pride, and just humbly walk before our God. And with a heart of humility, I see far more happen than with a heart of, oh, wow, look at God's done. Wow, look at me. You know, I want us to say Peter surrendered himself. And I want to say this morning, God wants you to surrender yourself, because the breakthrough comes when we humble ourselves, step out of our normal patterns, and to say, "Father, here I am." If this is, if it's, if it's up to, if it, it's got to be up to you, otherwise, it doesn't really happen. Are you sick of maybe trying to work the, work the angles and do it yourself? Why don't you call upon the God of the impossible today? What did you call upon the God that breaks through? When life gives you more than you can stand, then kneel. (laughs) I love that. When life gives you more than you can stand, why don't you kneel? The world would say fight back, climb the ladder, push people down, get upset, break through. But it never, you might reach the top for a little while. You might have some answers for a while, but in the end, it's never sustaining. You need resilient faith and a trust in Him every day. Can we stand this morning? Do you know the, 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 the reality is, is that my prayer of faith and my surrender to God It's all about not even getting the answers that I demand and sometimes ask of Him, but it's about me coming in alignment and loving and glorify Him because He does a change in my life. And sometimes I don't get the answers I want, but I change. Something, a revelation of my relationship with Him helps me to move on through life and face all the things and the struggles. That is so nasty and so terrible and unjust and undeserving. And when the Dorcas of this life die, or the Albert Ong's of this life die, I still can raise my voice and praise him because ultimately I can trust him. And even though I don't get my answers, I can still love him. This morning, I want to believe for a breakthrough with you. Is that okay? And if this morning you're standing there saying, I just want to see a breakthrough. I'm not saying that Jesus coming out this morning is going to necessarily do that, but I just believe that something we've got to change. And maybe this morning is a stepping forward in this altar and just saying, Father, I'm just giving it, I'm surrendering it, I'm believing. I'm not going to ask you what it is this morning, but I believe that you, God, can do something. can bring a shift. And the shift that we need is often in our heart, in our mind, in our thinking. So this morning, as we worship this morning, I invite you forward because I just want to believe with you and pray with you and stand with you. I believe God wants to speak there's someone here this morning that's just facing some um are facing some decision that they've got to make and a decision they've got to make in the next several weeks and it's a decision that you never thought you'd have to face but you're facing it now where God says hey come on present it to me throw off this thing that wants to weigh you down present it to me and because I care for you my burden is light and easy So this morning, let's just worship for a moment, and I invite you to come. Say, Father, come to Him, not to this church, not to me, to Him, and say, Father, I I give it over today. Come on.